0: in mem which is water, chaos, mighty, and also blood. Oh how I love your law I meditate on it all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies for they are ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong
1: path. Amen. Good stuff. Okay, let's see. i got a couple of prayer requests here. Uh, Thank you. Let's see here. Um, I've lost my page because my folder fell over so there it is okay a couple prayer requests we got uh, I don't know if anybody here knows but uh, Joan yeah, she fell she fell. She, uh, she gashed her shoulder her uh, elbow four stitches and then she broke her collarbone so um, race uh, jo- Jay said that uh, uh, she put her toe down instead of her ankle or, or her heel or something like that so um, everybody when we get done with class we're gonna have a five minute uh, walking. walking practice make sure we walk properly so we don't break her collarbone poor Joan is going to be out for a while and uh, so our, our dishwasher is broken so we need to get a new dishwasher
0: that's right in yeah She
1: every Sunday she stays and does the dishes and so uh, it's, I just feel so bad for her um, let's see here uh, Kim's daughter Rachel Kim is a girl that I baptized she came all the way from uh, uh, Missouri with her husband and I've known her for years and years uh, her daughter has melanoma and uh, surgery is tomorrow and uh, she's only 39 and she's got three small children and uh, Kim is in a lot of distress over this obviously um, John uh, had a new treatment yesterday Burke's on John and uh, so we're gonna hope for good news on that and he had some more fluid taken out of his stomach and he's just Uh, cancer once again it's it's tough thing Um, Claudia is getting dizzy spells again and she's got headaches that are recurring and uh, let's see here Mike is having trouble swallowing I think I mentioned him a week or two ago and he's able to drink now but he's still having trouble with solid food so not sure what's going on there so those are some of the prayer requests that we have today and uh, then I just have to say it I need a prayer request for Hedico because yesterday was our 39th anniversary and so she's she's sticking around with me for another year starting today and so please keep her in prayer for sanity for the next 365 days Uh, what what a blessing she has been in my life and so uh, very happy about that and then. I uh, normally don't like to do this. It's not, um, you know, I, when people come to visit, I usually don't, uh, you know, other than to thank them for coming and maybe give their name, I don't uh, make, a, go out of the way with it. And that's, you know, I don't want to embarrass people. And at the same time, I don't want anybody else that comes, well, why didn't they uh, uh, talk about me? Uh, but in this case, I have to. So I need this guy with the beard to come over here for a minute people need to see his face because he Not the tomb? well she can come if she wants yeah. I think that's why I didn't do that it's because I don't want to embarrass people but I know he won't mind Over here yeah I mean, uh, you want. let's hear you in there yeah you're in the phone. this is Adrian okay he and his wife Masako are from Arizona okay and uh, the reason why I called him up is a couple reasons actually one is he attends online and people may or may not have seen his face um, so uh, he uh, is just a blessing to the people online. Most people know him very well, uh, but one of the things I tried to tell people about is that he he's done something that is so astonishing that I I just have to mention this. Um, he, he does videos. They go on hikes and stuff, and they're always wonderful. They're wonderful to see the places they go in Arizona or, you know, Zion National Park, or they went to Japan to visit her family, and so it's interesting, but he's done a series of videos, and I'm I want him to put them in order so people can follow this. He started with a block. Why don't you tell him? You started with... Go ahead. I started with an engine block and then um, just gradually got stuff together and just built up a
0: motorcycle. Just about finished with it, yeah.
1: From an engine block, from a single engine block, he has built an entire motorcycle by hand. Everything. It's all been hand manufactured. The seat is leather manufactured. Um, He did the Bible here for us, okay? He's the one that put the leather on this. And the seat is like that, it's this thick leather, it's got the name of his company in the seat, and he's got one for his wife on the back. But he literally has built a motorcycle from a block. And so, if you ever wanna see something that is really, really interesting, Send me an email, and I will give you the link to get to his site. And I will hope that he will put them in the order that they need to be, so people can start with number one and watch this bike be built. It is—it's marvelous. He evangelizes. He—he paints paintings. He painted that painting back there and Mm -hmm. one in the back room, and he will talk about Jesus while he's painting these paintings. So uh, it's wonderful to see. You can go through his uh, site, and there's no end to the things he does. But thank you for doing all you do for the Lord. Much appreciated. All right. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the chance Thanks. to come into your presence and to lift up these people whose names have been mentioned. Uh, we thank you that we know that you hear, here, even if uh, things don't turn out the way that we would expect. We would uh, uh, know that you have the best intent for everybody in the things that you do. Hence, we have uh, Joseph that ended up leading Egypt after spending years in confinement and uh, lost in a world of Uh, prisons and uh, lies about him and it turned out for good and so we know that these things are what you have intended for us but we do pray for these things we pray for the people all of them involved the families and we also pray for this class Lord that it would be handled properly and that uh, you would be glorified through the teaching and so we thank you and we praise you how good you are to us Um, uh, thank you for all you've done for us and we just want to glorify you and in Jesus name we pray Amen. All right, so um, we'll uh, go ahead and just start into the Bible. I'm not going to read church history today because I did a little introduction with Adrian instead. Uh, But we are currently in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I see the error of my ways. I keep doing this. It's not putting this on my lap, and that's the purpose of this, so I don't drop stuff all over. So um, uh, we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're starting today in verse 2.
0: We'll back it up to 1. Okay, now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night.
1: Okay, let's see here, and this one says, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. So, very close, but uh, same thing, but just a little differently worded. Um, let's see here. Okay, 5-2, here we are, in we verse 5-2. To explain what he just said in the previous verse about times and seasons being unknown even to believers, Paul now says for you yourselves know perfectly. In other words he's already told them this. He was up in Thessalonica. He uh, told them the things that uh, that he's representing to them and he's probably giving them a little more detail. If it's like me, I'll say something to somebody and then when I write later, I will give more detail. So we may be getting a little more, but they are aware of the things that he's about to say. Uh, The word means accurately. Instead of perfectly, it means accurately, because it is examined down to the minutest detail. It is as if a probing examination has has made the determination completely sure, and there is no reason at all to go further. Okay? This shows that Paul had already discussed this matter, this part of the matter, with them. They had not been given the incredible details of what the resurrection of the dead at the rapture would be like, and so those details were penned by him in chapter 4. And once again, you if you want more details about the uh, resurrection outside of 1 Thessalonians 4, you would go where? 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 15. That's right. But they had been told about when the coming of the Lord would be, okay? And we're going to see that. We did last couple minutes of the class last week. We had a few extra minutes, and so we... Uh, Uh, talked about the uh, timing of the rapture, which is 2 Thessalonians 2. We didn't go into any detail because uh, we only had a few minutes of the class left. But um, uh, it is as if, uh, uh, yeah, probing examination has been made. Uh, He had discussed this with them, and the details were penned by him in chapter 4. Okay, but they had been told about when the coming of the Lord would be. This is something that Paul is reminding them of. Someone had probably asked, and Paul gave them his complete answer so that the matter would be settled. And that answer to them concerned the day of the Lord. Paul's words. Okay, now, when I just said the, when the, read it again, someone had probably asked about uh, when the coming of the Lord would be. Okay, when I say when the coming of the Lord would be, I am not talking about the actual time that the Lord has come. Uh, Paul, when he writes this, and the questions that were proposed to him make it sound like they really believed that the coming of the Lord was going to be very quickly, like, you know, maybe in their lifetime or, you know, very soon afterward if they all died and their children were alive, what would happen to them if their children were there at the coming of the Lord? So, just from their writings, you can tell that they did not understand that it would be a long, long time before that happened. And that was the same with the uh, apostles. Once again, we can go back to Acts 1, 6, and 7. And the last question they asked Jesus, the very last thing they asked him, when, you know, when is the kingdom coming? When are these things going to be? When are you going to reestablish the kingdom with Israel? And as I said, Jesus told them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. So when I say this here about uh, when the coming of the Lord would be, it is not saying the time frame, okay? It's about the events that would surround it, okay? There's a difference between the two. Uh, The time frame would be like, well, he's coming in, uh, you know, uh, 47 days, or he's coming at the year 967 AD, or whatever. That would be that. That's not what he's talking about, but he's talking about the events that would happen when the Lord comes, okay? Because anybody, I've said this, I'm going to keep saying it, anybody that predicts the rapture, you should not listen to that person, okay if they come out and they say you know I was wrong and I will never do that again that's fine they made their mistake but these people that continuously start hyping about predicting the rapture in the past week my friend Arlene sent me more people that are absolutely certain that because the Titan submarine exploded under the water I think she said some crazy connection they made that the Lord is coming okay that kind of stuff is insane. Don't watch those people. Don't waste your time with those people because that's all you're doing is you're wasting your time. And plus, you're validating their crazy ministry by giving them 4 million hits on that and people listening that kind of stuff. It just emboldens them to do it the next time they're wrong. And they just keep doing this and harming the name of Jesus, damaging the faith of a lot of people in the process. So, you know, that's fine. You listen to them if you want, but my recommendation is you just cut that off from your your existence, and you'll be a lot better off. They'll implode. The what?
0: They'll implode. Yeah,
1: yeah, they'll implode, exactly. Okay, so Paul's words, the day of the Lord. This day of the Lord, his words, is explained in the coming verses, not as the rapture, but as what follows the rapture, meaning the day of the Lord's judgment. So when you see the day of the Lord in the Old Testament, and the day of the Lord can mean a lot of things okay? The day of the Lord can mean a, a judgment on Israel during the time of Babylon. It can mean, you know, there are different contexts for the day of the Lord. What Paul is writing about here is the day of judgment on mankind, okay? So, and sometimes they overlap. You'll see the day of the Lord and Joel, and then Peter speaks of it in Acts chapter 2, referring to Joel, and then Paul is writing about it here. They're writing about the same thing, the end times, the judgment of the world when the millennial kingdom will be set up. Okay, that's the context there. Okay, so he's not, the the day of the Lord is not the rapture. The rapture is the rapture. The day of the Lord is what follows the rapture, okay? If somebody says that the day of the Lord is the last three and a half years of the book of uh, the tribulation period and that the rapture is pre-trib, they're wrong, okay? They're wrong, you'll see that when we get to two Thessalonians too it's very clear how the timeline is set up as a matter of fact we did it it took about five seconds last week before we closed and it's you can't make the mistake if you simply read what it says okay but uh the day of the lord it's not the rapture but it's what follows the rapture it's judgment on the world it is a seven year time frame which is explained by the prophets especially in daniel 9 verses 24 through 27 okay he tells you who it is going to be who is the antichrist okay not the individual but who he uh, is as a person he will be from anybody Rome. Rome. that's right now people say he's going to be this he's going to be that it says in daniel who the person is he will be of we'll go there we'll just stop right now and we'll go there just so you can see this So, you don't need to go speculating is it a Muslim from Iraq, okay? You don't need to speculate that it's um, uh, President Xi Jinping over in China. You don't need to bother with that because he tells you who this person is going to be. Now, I'm not going to get into a lot of detail with this, but Daniel chapter 9, and I'll just read all of the verses, and when we get to verse 27, 26 and 27, I will uh, slow down a little bit. But, 70 weeks are determined. 70 weeks means 70 weeks of years, or 490 years. 70 uh, times 7 a week would be 490. So 70 of these are determined for your people and for your holy city. To finish the transgression, make an end of sins, make reconciliation for iniquity, three negative things, and then to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal a vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy, three positive things. Okay, they're going to recognize who the Lord is, and they're going to uh, be in that from there. Now, this is this that position from there. Uh, this is Daniel, uh, the angel speaking to Daniel about his people and his city, which means Israel and Jerusalem. That's the context. We can't throw anything else into there and make it make any sense. Know and understand, know, know therefore and understand that from the coming forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem, which I can do the timeline for this. I'm not going to spend all day on it. But until Messiah the Prince, okay, so you've got a time from this command until Messiah the Prince. There shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Seven and 62 comes out to what? Seven plus 62 is 69. So 69 times seven is 483. So from the command that is given until the coming of the Messiah is 483 years. The street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublesome times." Now, why would it be divided up seven weeks and sixty-two weeks, and there are different uh, speculations on that, but it's pretty clear that uh, there's 430 years of what are called the intertestamental period, where there was no prophecy. There was no prophet. It was uh, a dark period from the time of the book of Malachi until the time of the coming of John the Baptist. There were 430 years. So. If you look at that, that is what that's speaking of. Anyway, we'll go on from there. We can do that some other time. All right, so the street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublesome times. Book of um, Nehemiah speaks of the building of the wall. There's a decree that's given. All of that is a part of this. Okay, but it takes 480 years, 83 years from that point until you know that the Messiah is to come, okay? And after the 62 weeks, after that time when Messiah comes, Messiah shall be cut off. What does that mean? It's crucified. That's the crucifixion of the Christ. But not for himself, it says. He shall be cut off, but his death will be a vicarious death for your sin, for your sin, for your sin, for my sin. Okay? So, it's very clear. This timeline is absolutely... Without any question. As a matter of fact, one of my friends sent me something. uh, I can't remember. It's something that I had a commentary on years ago, and I don't have it anymore because I got rid of all of that uh, when I got rid of my old website. But um, uh, one of the uh, uh, Targums, uh, I think it's Yoma 63B or something. Anyway, one of the Targums, the Jewish people actually acknowledged all of the timeline here that this would be when the Messiah would come and they they talk about it in detail Uh, anyway um, I don't like to talk about that kind of stuff though because it's not in the Bible and anybody can say anything outside of the Bible but it's just interesting that even these Jewish commentaries pinpointed this okay anyway um, uh, after the 62 weeks Messiah shall be cut off but not for himself and the people here it is and the people of the prince who is to come who is the prince who is to come? We're going to find out in a second. But the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. What group of people destroyed the city the Romans. and the sanctuary? The Romans. That's right, the Romans. That, that's recorded history. Josephus recorded it. There are other documents of it. As a matter of fact, if you go to Rome, they've got what's called the wall or the arch of... Titus, the Arch of Titus, and right there they have all of the implements from the temple being brought from Jerusalem to Rome. Rome. It's right there. It's in stone. I mean, it's not like this is any questionable thing. The uh, So, the people of the prince who is to come, the people of the prince who is to come were Romans. The people of the prince to, who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Then the end of it shall be with a flood, and the end of the war, and, and Till the end of the war desolations are determined. So it's just saying there's going to be all this going on until the time of the end. Alright? Then, he. That's the most important pronoun in the Bible for understanding future prophecy. He. Who is he? He shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. Thanks. There are two possibilities. What are the two possibilities?
0: You know, the, first, uh, the only one that I can see is the fact that the last person they spoke of was the the, The the prince to come come.
1: you got the prince to come the people of the prince to come so it would be referring to the prince to come one other view is that it is speaking of Jesus Jesus. so it's either the antichrist or it's Jesus I'd say there's a bit of a difference there right (laughs) big difference okay so the nearest antecedent is the prince to come he Okay, if you're a praetorist, which means you believe that all prophecy has already been fulfilled, and all you're waiting to do is for the church to bring in the perfection of what God promised, which is what praetorism believes, the church is going to make everything better, which isn't going to happen, folks. Anyway, the church can't even get along among itself for 22 minutes, all right? I'm sorry. It's not the church that's going to make this world perfect. We, we are the most fallible group of people on this planet. How do we know that? Because we're the church and we've admitted it. The rest of the people think they're perfect. So it's no doubt that we are the most fallible group of people on this planet. We're not going to pull together and bring in paradise. Okay, but the praetorists want to say that it's Jesus because then it resolves all of their bad theology by saying that all that's done and so we don't have any more prophecy and and we're just going to keep living our lives the way we are. That's not realistic. He Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. Uh, The fact that no time frame was given for the covenant that Jesus issued in his own blood, that he uh, brought about in his own blood, tells us that praetorism is wrong. He didn't make a covenant with many for one week. He made a covenant with many forever. Okay, forever. His This is my blood of the new covenant. It is established in him. And if it was for one week, if it was for seven years, then none of us would be saved because that seven years happened two thousand years ago. Right. Okay, about uh, two minutes afterward, the Jews had rejected him, and you know, Paul started going out and telling the nations. And it's just very bad theology. But I won't get into it. I know I said I wouldn't, and then I start to anyway. But the answer to this is the prince of the people to come. The he here is speaking of that person. The people to come were Rome, so this is a Roman. There's no doubt. You don't need to go any further. Now, people will say, here's what they'll do. Here's how people twist things. Rome was an empire. Because Rome was an empire, and because Britain was a part of the Roman Empire, and because America comes from Britain, the Antichrist is Barack Obama. I've heard that, okay? Uh, Now it's uh, going to be somebody else, the next president, whatever. People just, they love to just keep inserting themselves into future prophecy that it's got to be an American or it's got to be from you know uh, the Muslims well you know that guy down in uh, uh, Libya right now he's certainly the Antichrist and because that was a part of the Roman Empire all that North Africa well then that's bad handling of the Bible he is giving us who it is so we don't make that kind of a mistake the people of the Prince to come were the Romans okay they led the Empire You don't need to go any further than this. It will be somebody from Rome. Okay. It it just, it will be. Uh, Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week, he shall, oh, before I go on, he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. That is what begins the seven years of tribulation. Okay. Because there's seven years of tribulation in the book of Revelation. Right. Three and a half and 42 months. Take them, add them together and you get seven years. Okay. So, when he signs the, the covenant, which Paul speaks about in Thessalonians and what Revelation speaks about, that begins the tribulation period. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to happen directly after the rapture. The rapture may happen and it may be two or three or four years later. Mm. We don't know. The tribulation will start at the signing of the covenant, not at the rapture. That's what people need to understand as well. The rapture is an event that will happen. People are going to be deceived. It may take a couple years for them to be fully deceived, whatever, but there will be a great deception and people will believe it. But for now... Just understand that the rapture does not necessarily initiate the tribulation period. This covenant initiates that seven-year period. In the middle of the week, and Paul will speak about this in 2 Thessalonians, uh, he, the Antichrist, shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering and on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate okay uh, i read something today and it's just funny how you you get those things and it's obvious but you just don't think it until somebody does a commentary and you read it but the uh uh the people uh the praetorists and others will say that the antichrist was antiochus epiphanes because he slaughtered a pig uh, on the temple, on the uh, altar in the temple in Jerusalem. Okay, and so he's the Antichrist, and so that's all fulfilled. We, this is all just past stuff that Daniel was prophesying about. Okay, if that was the case, then Jesus would not have said to watch for this person and for these events. There's obviously a dual fulfillment, as there are many, many times in Scripture. Okay, because Jesus happened before or after Antiochus Epiphanes long time after. Okay, so obviously, you know, you just, you read something like that and you say, well, of course, I should have known that, but, and I did know that, I just never said it. Okay, but once you hear it and you say, oh yeah, now I can say that because it makes complete sense. Anyway, um, uh, so um, whereas he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, okay, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. He is going to be destroyed. The Antichrist is going to come to his end. That's in the book of Revelation as well. Paul writes about it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So it's all there. But Daniel gives you the timeline. He tells you that from this time until this time is going to be Jesus. Jesus is going to be crucified after those years. And then without any explanation at all, he doesn't say it's going to be the next week. He doesn't say it's going to be the next month. He doesn't say it's going to be 35 years later. He just says that it's going to be a time when there is a seven-year period. Now, the Praetorists will say, well, the Bible never even hints at a 2,000-year gap from the 483 years to the seven years, okay? Does that make any sense? No, and here's why. It's because the Praetorists say that uh, the 483 years clearly ended with Jesus, and then the temple was destroyed 40 years later in AD 70. Well, the Bible doesn't speak of a 40-year gap, so it doesn't matter if it's 5 days or 40 years or if it's 2,000 years. There's a gap. So, they're they're trying to tell you that the Bible doesn't hint at this. Also, doesn't hint at what they're claiming. But what they're claiming doesn't fit with the rest of the Bible. It's bad theology. So, Um, Just so you know, no matter what, no matter what scenario you use, there will always be a gap. If there's a one-day gap or if there's a 2,000-year gap, there will always be a gap. It doesn't matter to God. But what does matter to God is His covenant to Israel. Israel. He has made a promise to never destroy them as a people. He has made a promise to regather them to their land that's in Ezekiel 36 37 etc okay he's promised this to them Uh, Leviticus 26 explicitly says that he will make this that he has made this promise to the people who he brought out of Egypt which means the Jewish people you can't insert the church into that because we have never been brought out of Egypt now Egypt obviously typologically pictures our lives in sin, but that is not what that's referring to. It is a covenant that he made with a group of people that he brought out of Egypt, okay? And God has promised to do this. Naturally, there is going to be a very long gap in that because Ezekiel 4 gives the timeline that says that they will be punished for a certain amount of time, and if they don't listen the first time, I will punish you seven seven times over for your sins. And so you take the remaining years that are prophesied in Ezekiel 4 and you come out to 2,520 years or 907,200 days or 14 May of 1948. And then Jerusalem fell 19 years after the initial exile of the people, and 19 years after uh, 14 May of 1948 came June seventh, 1967, when Jerusalem was recaptured by the Jewish people. So, They're back there now waiting for their Messiah and they will be brought into the covenant and they will be the people that are exalted above the nations, but only after they have received Jesus. Okay, so that's just a little bit of background on it. It wasn't anything deep, but it's just so that you know, this will be a person from Rome who will be the Antichrist. He will be the person to initiate the covenant, which will initiate the seven-year tribulation period. This happens after not before not during but after the rapture of the church okay so um good evening miss garrett how are you yes i was told that you would be a little late so you're excused from any belittlement today uh, you, you weren't coming yeah, oh she said she wasn't coming at all how dare you show up when you say you're not coming okay um let's see here so where are we now um uh What am I reading? We're in 5-2. Oh, yes. Okay, so um, it is a seven-year time frame, which is explained by the prophets and apostles in numerous passages, especially Daniel 9, but elsewhere, and all of it points to one overarching truth. Jesus is going to come for his church, and then he is going to eventually exalt Israel by bringing them into the new covenant. He will never break that promise with those people, ever. That is 100% assured. It doesn't mean that they deserve it. It doesn't mean that they're right with him right now. It means that he is covenant-keeping, even when they are unfaithful to the covenant. Okay? Paul's words are then explained further in 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 4. I'm not going to read those, even though I should, because we read them last week. but And we went through a little diagram on it. That timing is very clear. Okay, we're going to go through that. It won't be long. We're in the end of 1 Thessalonians 5, so we'll be in this in no time at all, and then we'll do it, and we'll have it all laid out for you again, okay? But in this passage from 2 Thessalonians, the day of Christ, some manuscripts say the day of the Lord. They're synonymous here. Uh, like I said, some people just either either one of the manuscripts said Lord, and they changed it to Christ, or one manuscript said Christ, and somebody changed it to the Lord for their own purposes, a scribe made an error, whatever. But one, some of the original texts say Christ, some of them say Lord, but they're synonymous. It will not come until after the rapture of the church. The words, that day will not come, are inserted. We went through that last week. Uh, I'm just going to read you so you remember what I'm talking about. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but um, just so you know what I'm talking about, it says, um, um, where is it Um, okay Uh, yeah Um, it says don't be troubled soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us as though the day of Christ to come let no one deceive you by any means for that day will not come that is inserted okay that's only inserted for clarity it is understood in the Greek so even though those words are not in the Greek they are understood from the context of the Greek so the translators put them in there for your understanding But they are correct. They are correctly supplied in 2 Thessalonians 2. Okay, so the words the day will not come are inserted by the translators for clarity, but they are correctly inserted. As the day of Christ is the nearest antecedent, it is speaking of that event. It's speaking of the tribulation period. It's not speaking of the rapture. It's not speaking of anything else that people shove into there. It is speaking of the day of the Lord, the day of Christ, okay? If you get that wrong, of course, you might be a pre-tribulation rapture believer. If you get that wrong, of course, you may be a uh, post-tribulation rapture believer, or you may bizarrely not believe the Bible at all and say there is no such thing as a rapture, even though it's clearly described there. Either way, the day of Christ is what is being referred to. That is the nearest antecedent, just like the uh, prince of the people to come, the nearest antecedent, he is that person. You always go back to the nearest unless there is a valid reason why you should not. And it's very rare in scripture for something to jump over the nearest antecedent. As a matter of fact, a while ago, I uh, had a question in one of the Joshua sermons and I went to Sergio and I said, I just don't think that it's referring to this. And Sergio didn't want to agree with that because the rule of... uh, And so I had to write around that because I'm not going to manipulate it. I just wanted his... Uh, opinion on those words to see if he could come to that conclusion. And he said, I, I, I can't. And so uh, I, I did not go with it. But it made sense from the context, but it was not the nearest antecedent. And so you know that when you're reading, the normal uh, way that you speak is when you're speaking of two or more things, you will always refer to the last one the nearest antecedent, okay? That's just the way it works. That's the way languages work. There are times when it's not speaking of the nearest person because it's so obvious that it doesn't have to, okay? You know, Jacob had a son, blah, 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 and then it says something that can only apply to Jacob, right, Then you would put Jacob there, even though it might be the nearest antecedent was a son or grandson. It can't be, and so it must be Jacob, but that is not the way that normal writings work unless it's just for obvious you know, say, there you go. So, the day of the Christ is the nearest antecedent. It would be against the rules of grammar and every bit of logic that is stated in the rest of the Bible to say we're going to go here instead of here. Okay? And, but people do that. They do it all the time because they were told that the rapture is pre tribulation. And so they will do anything to defend that. The rest of their lives, instead of just saying I was wrong. And, oh, what did I say? Pre-trib- say okay, <laughs> mid-tribulation. They will, they will hear that it's mid. Thank you. They'll hear that it's mid-tribulation, and then they will go and do everything possible, twisting Scripture to fit that for the rest of their lives. Incorrect. Okay, but okay, the Day of Christ is the nearest, and S- it is speaking of that event. The reason for Paul telling them this was because some had obviously told the Thessalon- Thessalonians that it had arrived. The day of Christ or the day of the Lord had arrived. You can get that right out of the text that we read last week. People were scared that the day of Christ had arrived. Now, what would be the problem with that based on what he had told them? They had missed the The rapture, rapture, obviously. We've missed, you told us he was gonna come before the day of Christ, but we're being told that the day of Christ had come. And that's why he said, don't let anybody ever tell you that, even if it's in a letter from us or anybody else. It is not correct, okay? Um, So, Thessalonians, okay, this gave them reason to fear that they had missed the rapture, which he explained in 1 Thessalonians. Okay, I know I said this a couple years ago, but it's so funny that it's worth repeating. I used to attend the uh, church where our children went to school, okay? And we, every Saturday afternoon, would go in and set up the church in the gymnasium because they had grown a little bit and they could no longer fit in the chapel okay so we would go there saturday afternoon and we'd get out all of the stuff and we'd set up the church we'd put out chairs and it was you know a a church in a gymnasium and we did this saturday after saturday and he would always sit outside and read her bible and one time we were doing it and then somebody said we got to go move some furniture over in the library which is in a building all the way on the other side of a field so we went over there and we were moving furniture over there and poor walked in looking for us, and we were all gone, and she thought she had missed the rapture. We were all, and there was no hint that we were, so that's kind of funny, but that's what these people had thought, and that is not realistic, because one, if you're, if you're a believer in Christ, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, and you are going, we'll talk about that at that time, but uh, secondly, the day of Christ is not going to come until after the rapture, it's not going to happen because Paul's put it in plain, clear writing where any two-year-old can read it and say, this is what that says. It's we who make things difficult because we don't want to uh, bias our presuppositions or well, not bias. We don't want to uh, change our presuppositions. We want to stick with them, even if it means going to the gasket with them. Okay, uh, uh, Paul wrote to them the second letter to Thessalonians to show them this was not the case. Thus, these verses show that the doctrine of a pre-tribulation rapture is correct. There's no doubt about it. It is correct. Anything else then is by default incorrect. Correct. Thank you. All right. First will come the rapture, and only then will come the day of the Lord, which comes as a, Paul's words, thief in the night. Miss simile this term is a simile which is used to indicate with all suddenness. Okay, can anybody here tell me the difference between a metaphor and a simile? They both do the same thing. A simile, you obviously didn't pay attention to your third grade teachers. Simile gives a word. Actually two words will make it a simile. Like and as. If you see that it's a simile. It is like or as a, then it is a simile. A metaphor is the same thing, but there's no like or as, okay? So if I say uh, that guy has a dog face, well, that's a metaphor. If I say that guy has a face like a dog, that is a simile, there you go. Okay, so the term is a simile, and it says as a thief in the night, okay? I was talking about myself when I was referring to the dog face. Anyway, uh, the term is a simile, which is used to indicate with all suddenness, like a thief in the night. There will be a time when the day of the Lord comes and it will plunge the world into its self-destruct mode. And so what, you know, one of the things that's going to help push this along, well, that, but I'm thinking of something more human um, just today. We had Greta two weeks ago. I read that she's a false prophetess because she predicted the uh, end of the world five years ago, uh, two weeks ago now, and it didn't happen on the 21st of June, okay? So um, maybe it was a week ago. So, yeah, anyway. Charles King Charles came out today might have been yesterday but I read the article today that he says that we have six years to save the world and if we don't it's done okay so we got another false prophet over in the UK right now it's just we got to wait six years to get our stones out but he's a yeah he's a globalist he's just you know they're gross they want that money they want that control over you and this is how they're pushing it on you but anyway um there is a uh, uh, that is something that is going to bring, you know, God's judgment on the world. And why do we know this? Is because it happened once before at the Tower of Babel. Exactly the same thing that occurred at the Tower of Babel is happening right now. We cannot trust God. He said he will never flood the world again. And so they went out into the plain of Shinar and they built a big submarine where all the people can live inside of it. They built it with their own hands, bricks and mortar, uh, bricks and slime or mortar. So that means that uh, it's works-based. We're going to work our way to heaven. We're not going to trust God, and we can stay in the submarine when the world floods next time. Okay? The, The whole thing is just a repeat of the Tower of Babel that they are doing right now. We can't trust God. We have to control our situation, our destiny. Okay? There's a lot more to it than that, but go watch the sermon. Anyway, um... There will be a time when the day of the Lord comes and it will plunge the world into its self-destruct mode. And you can see them just doing their best to get us ready for that right now. Okay. And so what is correctly seen when taken as the Bible reveals these things to us. And if I'm wrong and you can show me where this is wrong based on what the Bible says, not if you send me, and I've said this before, if you send me a commentary on the rapture that includes any words from Matthew I'm not even going to read it because that is taking dispensations and is mixing them if you take anything from the book of revelation after chapter 4 verse 1 meaning 4 verse 2 all the way to 19 t- 10 and you say this is speaking about the rapture i'm not going to read it because that is mixing dispensations we are in the what what is the dispensation? we're in the age. church age we're not in the age of the law. We are not in the age, the last seven years of the law, which is clearly presented by Daniel and which Paul is referring to as well. We're not going to be in that. That's not a part of our dispensation, okay? We're also not a part of the millennium in the sense that it will be Israel ruling the nations, okay? Whatever happens with us in regard to that is completely separate from the fact that it is Israel who will be over the nations. That's very clearly promised to them in the book of Isaiah and elsewhere. What we are dealing with when we speak of the rapture of the church is a church age rapture. Everybody got that? We are of the church age. The rapture is for the church. Okay, so if you can send a commentary which refutes that, I will read it. But don't include anything from the three synoptic gospels. Don't include anything from Revelation because you are mishandling scripture. One, the church age. Two, the rapture of the church. That is listed in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Three, the day of the Lord after the rapture. Not necessarily precipitated by the rapture, but sometime after the rapture. Okay? It could be precipitated by all kinds of things. You know, the battle of Gog and Magog in Israel completely wipes out their enemies, as is described in Ezekiel 38. And it happens during the time when the rapture occurs. And right afterward, the world is in chaos, and the nations that have come against Israel will do anything to sue for peace. And the Antichrist says, oh boy, I can make a deal with Israel for a seven-year treaty with all of their neighbors based on this event that happened at the same time as the rapture. That's a possibility, right? We have no idea. But if the Gog Magog happens five years after the rapture and that's what is the thing that causes Israel to sign the peace deal with their enemies, whatever. But the rapture will happen, the day of the Lord will happen after the rapture. Maybe shortly, maybe a long time. We're not concerned about that. We are concerned about what happens to the church during the church age, okay? So the day of the Lord after the rapture is 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 2. Yes, 1 through 4, but specifically verse 2. First and then 4, the revealing of the lawless one, meaning the Antichrist happens after the rapture. That's 2 Thessalonians 8, explaining how the day of the Lord comes in. It's by the signing of the peace deal, the seven years of tribulation. But he is mentioned afterward. He goes back and explains that, okay? So we are not going to know who... Who we're not going to know who Who the uh, Antichrist Antichrist is. is. Because we're not going to know who the Antichrist is, why would you sit reading commentaries all day long about the Antichrist? Identifying who he is. We got one guy, he's a King James only guy. He's got his, uh, uh, you know, uh, prophecy blog and he's got his own like news service that he does. I'm not gonna mention him by name, but he is adamant And like every week he puts out an article saying that uh, Macron is the Antichrist. He even calls him the man of sin. He uses the Bible term for him. He says the man of sin is doing this and that. Okay, Macron of France is the Antichrist. Macron or however you say I'm not Doesn't French. So, yeah, but he's got, he's, he's got the guy identified and he constantly is harping on this. And my thought is even if Macron or whatever.
0: Okay, oh, I thought you were picking no, on me. Okay, I mean, anyway. Him. Oh, like, him. Yeah, no yeah way, I see that. Yeah.
1: Like, okay, but even if he is, we're not going to know that until after we're gone. I'm t- talking about we the world, okay? So why focus on it? Why make yourself look stupid if Macron or whatever, if he dies next week, that guy's going to look like a complete boof because he's been saying this for like three or four years now, five years, okay? No,
0: he's now, not. Because. Well, he's that.
1: not from Rome, but he's a part of the Roman Empire. Oh, so, yeah, okay. Anyway, there you go. I, you know, and I'm not gonna go belittling the guy do, by name because I'm sure he means well, but the King James onlyism ought to set you off right from the beginning. You see that they're already in error. They're, every day I get up and I, I've said this, I've said this every class now for like two years, but every day I do a commentary on the Bible. And every day the first part of that commentary is to check the Greek. And the way I do that is by using a English translation and then I use the Greek. And I just, it helps me to understand how errors get into a translation. And I chose the King James Version. And there are times, and I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding when I say this. There might be 12 words in that verse, and there will be seven or eight errors. And I'm not talking about just, you know, difference of opinion, errors. It is a poor translation. And some of them are so theologically bad that you no longer can have proper theology because of their bad translation, okay? And so uh, when you uh, are studying the Bible, you don't get caught up in that that one version only thing because it's only gonna harm you. And at the same time, how do you know it's right and how do you know it's wrong? If somebody tells you that's the only inspired version and it's clearly wrong, you're never going to get out of clearly wrong if you believe it's all right. So anyway. Um, uh, I don't remember what my point was, but, oh yeah, he's King James only. First indicator, he's First indicator that he's already wrong on a lot of other things. And, you know, it's not Macron, okay? It's, it's not. But even if it is, it doesn't make any difference. We are not here to find out who the Antichrist is. We are here to wait for Jesus as Paul says, our blessed hope, what does he say in 1 or 2 Timothy, where he says, you know, this is our, Titus, pl- uh, Titus 2.11, thank you, I said Timothy, Titus 2.11, it's our blessed hope, it is our rejoicing, to focus your eyes on the Antichrist is to violate scripture, right. because of my favorite verse in the Bible, which Burke knows very well, <laughs> Hebrews 12.2, that's right, that's it, let us fix our eyes on the Antichrist. Oh no, no. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Okay. So here's a question.
0: Yes. Okay. So let's say the rapture happens tomorrow. Right. I'm not predicting, but I'm just saying, what if it happens tomorrow? And then that the the uh, the uh, peace deal isn't signed until like five years later. Yeah. Say. That's okay. the seven years. So are we asleep? Oh no, we're going up, we're gonna be with him. Okay. We're gonna be Okay, so anyone who's died we'll will, be be raised. will be raised. Absolutely. And- it's,
1: that is it. We're going to be with the Lord okay. and we will be in our new bodies and we will not be worried about what's going on down here. That's not going to be our concern. Okay, absolutely. But I didn't like your predicting of the rapture. I think it's going to be tonight, not tomorrow, so you're wrong. Okay. okay. All right. Pack, uh, yes. Yeah, pack your bags. Okay. It is the rapture which initiates the unfolding of the next occurrence in the sequence of events. Rapture and then the day of the Lord. The Antichrist will be revealed. They won't know he's the Antichrist, even if he comes to prominence until he is the one that makes the peace treaty with Israel. But when he does that, you know this is the Antichrist. Okay, as this event comes as a thief in the night, it is obvious that Paul is tying that phrase in with the times and the seasons of verse one. And as the Antichrist is the one who is behind the seven-year peace deal with Israel, And as we will not know who he is because his identity is only made known after the rapture, then it is again plainly obvious that the rapture must be pre-tribulation. Thank you. It must be. If you just think it through, it must be pre-tribulation. It can be nothing else. The Bible does not allow anything else. Okay, each step is methodically recorded so we don't have to fall into the error of misaligning the timing of the rapture as commonly occurs. But if a pre-tribulation rapture believer sees this right now, he's going to send me a lot of stuff that's out of context and if he includes anything from the synoptic gospels or if he includes anything from Revelation, I'm not even going to give him the dignity no. of a response. You said again. It's mid. Oh, Mid, whatever I said, I am I am teaching pre-tribulation, okay, so if I said pre, I meant mid, if a mid-tribulation rapture person does that, okay, yes, I get confused when I'm trying to think things through, and I'm so adamant about pre-tribulation, because it's the only thing the Bible teaches, it does not teach anything else, okay, but um, where are we, um, Good catch. yeah, each step is methodically recorded, so we don't have to fall into that, okay, um, I've said that, the Lord told us, oh yeah, here we go, time and again, and again, they are dates. They are set dates. And these predictions are, oh, I didn't read one sentence. Okay. Let me go back. Jesus, um, I better read the whole thing. The main point is that the actual timing of the rapture is not known and it will not be known until after it has taken place. It falls under the times and the seasons, which both Jesus and Paul state we are not privy to. Unfortunately, Paul's words, for you yourselves know perfectly, apparently does not pertain to date setters. Okay, he said it in the word, it ought to be clear to them, but it does not pertain to them because they continue to pick dates for the rapture all the time. Time and again and again, they set dates and these predictions are always, not maybe, they're always incorrect. The Lord told us that it is not for us to know these things, Paul reaffirms the Lord's words, and yet we presume to know better than those from whom and through whom came the word of God. If you see a rapture video and it says rapture is coming on September whatever or August whatever, don't click on it. That's clickbait. You're giving them money because they, I guarantee you, they have monetized their videos and you're giving them money every time you do this. And some of these people, you know, I, I know people that have, um, uh, now there's nothing wrong with, if somebody emailed me and she said, I know you won't like this because this guy has, um, his uh, YouTube site is monetized. That doesn't bother me at all. There's a guy I watch every day, his videos come up and I'll get tired of him eventually, but he's just somebody, I'm not subscribed to him or anything, but he plays the bass. And he does great stuff, like people challenge him. Can you play the uh, third movement of Puccini from his, uh, uh, you you know, and it's very fast and this guy can play it. It's amazing watching his fingers go, okay? Have you seen me watching him? The guy and how fast, he's he's great. He's just as, so I like to see what he can do when people challenge him. The guy gets like a million views on every video or 700,000 views on every video. He's making like $20,000. He's paying his bills. I have no problem with that. What I have a problem with is people taking this, lying about it, and getting four million views. I have a problem with that. I don't like to see, and that's why there is not one thing at the superior word that is monetized, nothing. If somebody wants to go to the website and copy every single thing I've ever typed, it's in PDF form. PDF form. All you need to do is just hit the download button, download it, and then use it in your church to use All the sermons forever and I'm never gonna write and say you know what that's arrogant of you to use my sermons I don't care that's the Word of God if I'm wrong I'm wrong if I'm right I'm right but there is nothing monetized in this church nothing because it is not about the profit that I'm gonna make off of this word and people love to get these four and five million view videos so they have sensational titles they say the rapture is coming they get the money and like I said what was it the one guy said last week He says, you know, I need to feed my children. I got to get them through college. And he's predicting a rapture for the next week. (laughs) This is important. This book is actually important. Okay. It's not for sale. Um, Okay. Life application. The world is spiraling down the tubes. Now think of this. I typed this, what, eight years ago? You've got it written somewhere. Like eight years ago. There are things I've read today putting together articles for the update on Sunday, that were so gross, I can't even read the title to them. I can't even read the title to them. Things that would not have been on a porn site eight years ago. And they're in the Mail Online or Breitbart. The headlines. Eight years ago I typed this. Think of how bad it is now. The world is spiraling down the tubes and we may have great fear that the Lord has forgotten about us, but such is not the case. When the time is right and at the perfect time of his choosing, the Lord will come to gather us to himself. Let us not set dates about when it will come about. Instead, let us do as we are instructed. We continue to tell others about what God has done in Christ. If we don't do this, only terrible things lay ahead for them. It is either judgment at the cross or judgment on the world who has rejected the cross. Those are the only two options for humanity, folks. You can either accept Jesus and be saved or you will be condemned and that is it, okay? And that's, that is our job right now. Not trying to tell you who the Antichrist is going to be or speculating on when the rapture is going to be. Those things do not apply, okay? Um, now, I do short little videos during the week, okay? I did the mango picking one last week, okay? I enjoy that, and I could put that on a different website, and I could monetize that, and I'd have no problem doing that because it has nothing to do with the church. Now, I post them on the church site, so they're not monetized, but I could do that. And I would have no problem doing that. If I, you know, these videos started to take off and people said, hey, here's a guy on cs that makes funny videos, I could start my own channel and I'd have no problem making money off of it. So that's not my point. My point is not that people make money to live on. My point is that the word of God is not for sale. And as long as something is tied to the superior word church, um, we had that one, you did that one video for the church. It had what, 500,000 views? Amazing, the one, the hurricane video. People were wanted to know how CSG was, and he was so tired, it sounded like a professional guy. Like, Charlie is out there and blah, blah, blah. And I said, you did that so well. He said, I was so tired, that's all I could say, okay? He was burned out from the hurricane. It got 500,000 views. Now, if that was monetized, it would make some money, wouldn't it? Okay, I don't know what it would make, but it would make a lot of money. But it's not because it is on the Superior Word website, and I'm not going to do that, okay? If he had posted it on another channel, that would be fine. I have no problem with that. So please don't think that I'm saying people that make a living off of YouTube are doing wrong. They're doing just exactly what they are skilled at doing. Some people know how to do hairdos and they do videos about hairdos and they get five billion views. Good, that's fine. They're making money off of Google. I have no problem with that. Okay, it's just selling the church. It shouldn't happen. Okay, 5-3. Okay,
0: but if you do the mango
1: picking, try playing the bass. The bass while, you're, while you're mango up, picking. You know? That would I got something coming up in a sermon soon. The opening comments in the sermon will, which will explain why I would not play the bass while mango picking. Okay. okay. Yeah. It, your feet it's, are com- busy? No, 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 no. It, you, you'll <laughs> you'll find out. But uh, okay. it's something that people always joke with me about in the church, and I take it lightly. But you'll find out why I would never play the bass while mango picking. Okay. So well, um, there you we're, go. we're in verse five three. We
0: are. So, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pain on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape.
1: Okay. Uh, That one says labor pain or labor pains.
0: Labor pains. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm
1: just wondering if they had made a singular out of a plural. Okay, good. Um, All right. So, and this one says almost identical for when they say peace and safety, which the world constantly does. Peace and safety. And that's especially going to happen when. What is he referring to? Peace and safety. Israel. Peace and safety. That's right. The treaty is signed. Peace and safety. The whole world is going to come against Israel. Gog and Magog, not the whole world, but Gog and Magog. It's going to be like there is this massive army that is descri- dis- described. It's huge. I'm not going to read it, but if you want to go home and read it, it's Ezekiel 38. It is a huge, vast Army that is going to come down into Israel and they are going to get utterly obliterated. Millions of people, probably, maybe not millions, but a lot of people are going to get wiped out. It's going to take how long to bury the dead? It's, yeah, and it, they're going to be out there putting out years later. And then how long does it take to burn all of the equipment that is destroyed? I want to say five years. Seven years. Seven. So it it is unbelievable the amount of destruction that is going to happen. And Israel's going to be okay. And that is why the people are going to say, we've got peace and safety. There's a treaty. Israel can now build its temple. All of this is going to happen. And that is what's going to bring the seven years of tribulation into the world. The seven years where Israel is back under the law. God is now recognizing them under the law. And because of that, and because it says they have rejected Jesus Christ, and they're, he knows this is gonna happen, and so he's given them this time frame. but he doesn't want them under the law, he wants them in Christ. And the purpose of those seven years is to drive them to find out their need for Jesus. That's what's going on, okay? Peace and safety, people say it in Jeremiah. They say it all the way, and they say it all the time in the world today. They said it after World War II, okay? That's not what Paul is writing about. He is writing about Israel saying, we, the whole world is gonna say, there is finally peace in the Middle East. All of the world's focused on Israel constantly, constantly. You don't hear about the exact same type of arrangement that happened with Pakistan at about the same time as Israel. Nobody ever mentions, you never hear about it. You have to be a scholar just to understand even what went on there. And yet it's the same situation and nobody ever brings it up. But Israel, constantly constantly the UN is so focused on Israel that it is unbelievable but there you go hey howdy okay that's my, my daughter son and my daughter-in-law that. yes
0: is that okay so they're focusing on Israel there everything is like you know similarities elsewhere everything is Israel 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 why when they do things that are just like prophecy they go like well, this is good this is the what we have to do yeah this is it's like okay you do know that that's been prophesied in and advance that it fails at the end of the day in and advance like, no no
1: no this is gonna work I yeah know no it it's they, like, they think it they think they've got it all figured out the world thinks it's got it all figured out and that the, the answer comes down to a rejection of the Lord mm-hmm. it all comes down to we do not want to take the Lord at his word and so Israel rejects the Lord the world rejects the Lord The only people that accept the Lord are the people in the church, and a lot of them kind of marginally accept him. I mean, they don't accept his word at face value, but the whole thing comes down to self. It comes down to self, okay? A rejection of the Lord, and I'm going to do it this way, and it's going to work. That's what it comes down to. Okay, 5-3, peace and safety. The whole world is focused on a tiny sliver of land in the Middle East, Israel. It is so overly concerned with it because of the countless enemies which surround that nation. Because of this, there can be no peace. The Islamic nations have oil, vast numbers of people, strategic lands for military purposes, and so on. Further, Muslims have spread out into the (coughs) non-Islamic nations of the world and have become a threat within those societies. This morning, I just read 73% of the French say there are too many immigrants in France now. 72% of them want to do something about it. I can't remember the, what they were gonna do, but uh, it was 1% less It says we need to do something, a referendum, or there was something. Why? Because they're bringing in people that are not going to adapt to their culture ever, ever, ever. okay? They will be their own little society, just like the Jews were, but. Totally different thing, the Jews came up there, they started their own little societies, they started their own little businesses, they're doing their own thing. They never demanded that you submit to our rights. The other group of people that's in the same situation as them demand that you submit to their rights. That's the difference. When somebody comes into a city and he wants to uh, eat kosher meat, he starts a kosher shop and then he sells it to all of his kosher buddies. When a Muslim goes into a place and says, well, McDonald's doesn't serve uh, halal food, they demand that they acquiesce to them. That's the difference, okay? All right, they will never be a part of it, and that is a part of this problem. One of the main issues that stirs them up is Israel. These people hate Israel. They hate the thought that they are God's people, and so they are stirred up not only in their own nations, but all over the world. If you don't believe it, we got a couple of kooks up in Congress right now, right now, that are that fit that perfectly, all right? Without dealing with Israel, then they cause death and turmoil wherever they go, using the lack of peace between Israel and the Muslim population in the land as a reason to do their evil. Now, I don't know what's gonna happen with this video, but I'm not gonna acquiesce in what I'm saying because I might have this video taken down, okay? This is the state of the world, and this is the mindset of these people. It is true. If people don't like the truth, that's fine. Until the issue is supposedly handled, they vehemently state that there can be no peace. If there is no peace, then there is no safety. It is from this state that Paul's words of the end times now make sense. He begins this verse with, for when they say. For is given based on the preceding words concerning Christ's coming as a thief in the night. It is obvious that the two issues Are being tied together. It also explains what is meant in 2 Thessalonians 2, 6, and 7. There is a restraining force in the world. It's not going to happen until he who is taken out of the way. The restrainer is taken out of the way. Okay, we read that last week. When that restrainer is removed, which is speaking of the Holy Spirit, I've got that all defined in the uh, coming verses in 2 Thessalonians 2. It is the Holy Spirit. Then the end time events will rapidly unfold. Now, when I say rapidly, it could be, as you said, five years. It could be eight years. It could be three months. It doesn't matter. We're out of here, so it doesn't matter to us. Whenever it happens, the rapture may or may not precipitate it. It may be something else, but it will happen after the rapture. That's the important thing. Thus, there is the rapture of the church at the removing of the restrainer. Okay. Once again, I'll say this. I, I, I may have said it last week, but I uh, don't want to... Uh, uh, where was I just now? No, see, I want to make sure that I'm in the right place when we start uh, restraining for... Okay, restrainer. Okay. Um, may have said this last week, and I may not have, but... Um, and now I forgot what I was going to say. The rapture... There was rapture of the church and the removing of removing the... Restra- oh, yeah. Okay, here it is. Um, uh, people say, well, is the Holy Spirit God? And you have to say... Yes, okay, so the Holy Spirit is God. Well, if the Holy Spirit is taken out, how can be God? Because God is everywhere. That's right. He's omnipresent, omniscient, he's omnipotent. So he's the big alms, all three of them, the Godhead, all three of them are. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. Because he's omnipresent, how can he be taken out? Can anybody explain that? He's the third person of the Trinity. Well, no, because he's always present has nothing to do with him being the third person of the Trinity. That's his role. What? Well, yeah, but if the Holy Spirit is taken out and there's no Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is omnipresent, he's everywhere, then how can it be that the Holy Spirit is taken out? The church
0: is taken out.
1: The church is taken out. The sealing of the Holy Spirit in the person. It's not speaking of taking the Holy Spirit out of the world. The restrainer means the church. The Holy Spirit presence in the church. Everybody got that? Here's an example so that you will never forget this again. Where was God's presence presence evident in the Old Testament? In the
0: cloud and in the...
1: More specifically... Temple? In the temple. Where in the temple?
0: In inner sanctum.
1: In the inner sanctum. Where particularly?
0: (laughs) In the Bemacy. Above
1: the Ark of the Covenant between the cherubim. Mm -hmm. That's where the Lord dwelt. Did the Lord depart from there in Ezekiel? Yes. Yes. The special presence of the Lord. God is everywhere. He will never not be everywhere. He is everywhere all the time forever. He had a special presence of himself there. Everybody got that? He has a special presence of himself in you right now. In you, and you. Well, yeah, you too. Um, so <laughs> that is what that is referring to. So when somebody tries to trip you up and say, it can't be the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is everywhere all the time, it's not speaking in that sense. It is speaking of your sealing of the Holy Spirit, okay? Hence, the church. It is referring to the church, but only because the church is sealed by the Holy Spirit. The church is incidental to that, okay? Here's what's what's also
0: confused. There's another flip side of that coin is that, okay, if the Spirit, the restrainer, is pulled out, then my original thought was is that, well, then how do you come to Christ during the, uh, the... Same way, by grace through well, faith. True, but because the, but, but, the Holy
1: Spirit it? wasn't given until before that as well. And true. David was saved. Would you agree with that? Oh, there you go. Okay. It's it's but, speaking but it of a special ceiling. Yeah, that's right. It, but it's making it, nervous about like okay, Oh yeah, yeah, you don't have to be nervous though because there is a special ceiling upon the I church. And that's coming up on a sermon very soon, by the way, just so you're aware of you that. I think I peek over your shoulder. I, I just want you to know very soon that's this this will be answered, okay? This this speaking about the Holy Spirit, about the special presence of the Lord, how a person like David can be saved even though he wasn't a part of the church. Is he going up at the rapture? All of these are going to be explained, no kidding, in the last couple chapters of Joshua. He's going to spend a lot of time, the Lord, in typology, giving us the answer to these things. So stay tuned for that. And you know what? It's so fun to go through these sermons and to see. I will say this right now. Wow. I started Judges um, we're going to take a break here because we got time. We got twenty minutes. Up. I'm going to take. You, I'm going to read you what I did for my first sermon in Judges on Monday. Okay, I'll tell you about this. This is just unbelievable. Okay, Judges, Judges, chapter one. I, I went through here. I did. Um, so I did the first seven verses. Now it came to pass after the death of Joshua. It came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall be the first to go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Indeed, I have delivered the land into his hand. So Judah said to Simeon, his brother, come up with me to my allotted territory, that we may fight against the Canaanites. And I will likewise go with you to your allotted territory. And Simeon went up with him. Then Judah went up, and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand. And they uh, killed 10,000 men at Bezek. And they found Adoni Bezek in Bezek and fought against him, and they defeated the Canaanites and the Perizzites. Then Adoni Bezek fled, and they pursued him and caught him and cut off his thumbs and big toes. And Adoni Bezek said, Seventy kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off used to gather scraps under my table. As I have done, so God has repaid me. Then they brought him to Jerusalem, and there he died. Hediko is never home on Monday because she works, but she was home on Monday because she was off. I talked to myself a lot, didn't I? I literally, I was completely wiped out. That was the end of me. Tuesday, I still had a throbbing headache. Those were some difficult verses, but great, great typology. But it, I literally was, it was very, very tough on me. I did not know that I would even be able to finish that sermon that day. I was so tired. It, they're very complicated verses, but what it pictures is wonderful. And all day Tuesday, I just was like, oh, I just want to lay in bed all day. Very, very difficult verses. Great stuff. So it's a good way to start. Um, uh, judges, I hope the whole thing is like that. I hope it—what what excitement. I'm not talking about the, the pain. I'm talking about the excitement. Okay, so um, uh, the restrainer. Sealing of the Holy Spirit in an individual is what is being removed. Holy Spirit's everywhere. He will never not be everywhere, so we don't have to worry about that. After this happens, after the restrainer is taken out, the world will then, not before, not during, after, then make its peace deal with Israel. The words when they say are vague and form a general meaning. Thus it is speaking of the world at large. When the world sees the peace deal signed, they will say, peace and safety. We just had all these people, these thousands of troops, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of troops coming against Israel. They are utterly wiped out. When the world signs the peace deal, they will say peace and safety. The enemies who have signed will say peace. The world who believe that the Muslims are now pacified will say safety. There will be rejoicing at the state of kumbaya which has seemingly come upon the world. However, The belief will be a false one indeed. Paul tells what the outcome of this peace agreement will be. It will be a time when sudden destruction comes upon them. That's his words. The world is going to go into Revelation 4:2 through 1910. It's going to be heck on earth. Okay, it's going to be terrible. All right. The Greek. What?
0: I got a question. Yeah. Okay. So if it's going to take seven to ten years to bury everybody. Yeah. After well, that's
1: graduate. going during that time. Seven okay, years. Even oh. during the, the... Oh, yeah. Th- it's, it's seven years for them to, to use. They won't need to use their own fuel for fire because everything that they need will be there for those people to use it. And I don't know if that's speaking of all of Israel together or if it's speaking of the places where they have the right. equipment, whatever. He's just giving us a a, uh, a description of the massive amount of oh, destruction yeah. that is coming okay, Um, it will be a time, okay, the Greek literally says, stands over them. Sudden destruction comes upon them. It's like it's standing over them. It's looking down on them, okay, or takes its stand over them, maybe. That's what the Greek reads. Paul writes this in the present tense to give it the most vivid effect on the mind. His words closely reflect what is said in Luke 21, so I'll read you that. You can see, The comparison between the two, Paul's words, this is something that happens after the church age. Luke 21, 34, we're going to go here, and it says, um, But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and the day, that day, come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man.
0: That was Jesus talking or
1: Luke? That was Jesus speaking, Luke recording it. Okay. okay? Now I just read that, and Jesus is telling them, Watch. Be ready, because it's coming on the whole world. Who was Jesus who was Jesus speaking to?
0: Jews.
1: He was speaking to Israel. What was the context at the time? The dispensation. Under
0: law. They
1: were under law. They were Jews under law, and he is telling them, this is coming upon you, you people. Not the people he's speaking to directly, but the Jews, okay? He's not speaking to the church. Now, here's one way that you can know that he's not speaking to the church. Here's one way that you can absolutely know. He says, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy. Anybody?
0: It's
1: not We're never worthy. We are the church. <laughs> right on. We are the church. Christ has made us worthy. We don't need to worry about this. That's why people take that verse and they say, I've seen people quote that a million times. I need to persevere. I need to stand and be counted worthy. He's done the work. We don't need to stand to be counted worthy. He's done it for us. That's the whole point of Christ's coming was the imputation of his righteousness upon us and the imputation of our unrighteousness on him. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That is the point. That has nothing to do with you if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Jesus is not speaking to you. He wasn't speaking to you. When you want to know what he is speaking to you, when you want to know, you go to the epistles and be comforted in the words there, okay? You can know with 100% absolute certainty because Paul never talks to you like that, ever. He talks about our blessed hope, our state of righteousness, about Christ's glory for what he has done. We, that has nothing to do with you. So when you see somebody put that in a comment, make sure you correct them because they have misunderstood what the word G-R-A-C-E means. These people are going to be under law, and they're going to need to be ready for the coming of the Son of Man. Okay, there. Um, Luke, where was I? Okay, Jesus was speaking. Oh, yeah, here it is. Jesus was not speaking to the church in those words, but to Israel. We got 14 minutes. They would again be gathered back to Israel at some point, but at the time of Paul, they weren't even dispersed yet. He had no idea. You know, I don't know if Paul had any doubts. Would he have been? No, he wasn't even alive at the dispersion of Israel, so it wouldn't have mattered. They believe he was uh, killed about uh, 60-something A.D., okay? The temple was destroyed and Israel was exiled in 70 A.D., so he wouldn't have even known this. But his words stand. They stand right to the end, okay? Um, The church age has ended. The rapture has taken place, and only now will these prophetic words find their fulfillment. There is no such thing as a mid-tribulation rapture. There is such a thing in people's minds, but in the Bible there is no such thing, okay? It is at the midpoint of the tribulation that the Antichrist is working out the full force of his wickedness. Before that, there must be the perceived peace, the peace and safety that he just mentioned. But this perceived peace only comes after the rapture. The church is not ushering in a time of peace on earth. That will never happen, okay? Paul's words form a doctrinal treatise on the sequence of events of the end times. That's what he is giving us right now. He's telling you how you can know what you can know. And you don't need to worry about figuring out who the Antichrist is. You don't need to worry about picking the day of the rapture. He's told you you will never do that, and he's told you you will never know who he is. So don't worry about it. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And keep your your actions geared toward getting the gospel out to other people. Okay, that's what you need to do. When the whole world is seen, the peace deal signed, they will shout out, peace and safety. But that is when the destruction stands over them, ready to destroy the world. And, you know, here's one perfect reason why you can uh, hide the rapture. You know, there's this delusion, this grand delusion that is coming on the world that Paul will write about. Okay, here's one way that you can say, well, that never happened. It's because the guy sitting in Rome right now, unless I am completely mistaken, unless I am completely mistaken about that guy, ain't going. And whoever replaces him, ain't going. And when he doesn't go, the whole world is gonna say, but what about these people that disappeared? And he's gonna say, we're the church, we're, we're here. And the people are gonna believe it because he's always been considered the leader of Christianity to the world at large, yeah. always. Okay, that's one way. Okay, there'll be other ways that they'll be able to hide this. Like my friend said, maybe AI saying that the guy is still alive and posting for him. And maybe there'll be, you know, UFOs are brought in. That's getting big in Washington right now. All of these things are going on. Okay, I don't know what the great delusion is going to entail, and I really don't care. It's fun to speculate to a point, but I'm not going to go watching videos about it because it's a waste of time. All right, it will come as labor pains upon. As labor pains upon a pregnant woman. That, what is that form of terminology that I just used? As a, as simile. La- simile. There you go. Yeah. As. As labor pains upon a pregnant woman. The world is not going to be a pregnant woman. Okay? It's a simile. Very
0: good. My fourth, fourth grade teacher rolling over my god The, <laughs> She's
1: okay. the pains of I a woman in labor that. increase both in intensity and in frequency. Right up until the birth of the child, has anybody experienced that and agree with it? Okay, did they get worse as you got closer to pregnancy or giving birth? She's not saying it, but she is. So it happens. Okay. Anyway, that's the the general theme that I read about is women. They just they can feel it coming more and more. As oh, okay, she's agreeing to it now. Okay, she must not have.
0: Last time I gave birth.
1: It gave oh yeah, <laughs> good job, Burke. All right, uh, we got a church for you right down the road. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, um, the pains of a woman in labor increase both intensity and in frequency right up until the birth of the child. So it will be with the world. The supposed peace and safety will have been nothing but a precursor to strife and destruction. The people of the world will be hemmed in as if in a prison planet, and they shall not escape. Paul's words, they shall not escape. The book of Revelation shows that there will be no exit, no second rapture for the people of the world. They will either take the mark of the beast and perish, or they will not take it, and they will perish. The difference between the two is that those who take it will perish, face everlasting death at the great white throne judgment, which is Revelation 20, verse 12, and those who refuse the mark of the beast will perish physically, but will be rewarded at the first resurrection. Revelation 20, verse 5, before the millennial reign of Christ, they will be resurrected. That is their reward for not taking the mark of the beast. Surprisingly, the Old Testament gives prophetic pictures and details of these things so that we won't make the error of incorrect analyses of eschatology. That's the study of end-time things, eschaton, the end times. The pre-tribulation rapture, the signing of the seven-year peace deal, the tribulation period, the return of Christ, all of it is given in types shadows and prophetic utterances in the old testament to give the sound believer in christ the surety and hope of not being around when these calamitous events take place i remember one time somebody a lady emailed me when i said i'm gonna start preaching through uh the books of the books of moses and she said i i just feel convicted that you're doing the wrong thing and you need to do the books of the prophecies the prophets because we're in the end times and people need to know everybody's been doing those books forever you want to know about the prophets there are 15 billion commentaries on them there are not that many sound commentaries and sermons on if you don't believe me just go and type in genesis 2 all right and all of the sermons that have ever been done will come up and they're about this many compared to the prophets which are like way bigger than my arms can make okay I am so happy that we have gone through the books of Moses and through the book of Joshua and now into Judges. I am so happy because the types and the pictures in there tell us so many things about what God wants us to know. Okay, People may not agree, they may not like that approach, but I am so thankful for seeing what God is. You know, you want to know about the sealing of the Holy Spirit, the surety of your salvation, the 100% surety of your salvation, go watch Genesis 38 where Judah sleeps with his daughter, Tamar. It's right there in that sermon. It will tell you everything you need to know about it. And it's one word sets the, the, the scene for the entire scenario, both in Genesis 38 and in Paul's writings in the New Testament. Anybody know what that word is? I've given it a million times in sermons. Aravon. Aravon. Go watch the sermon, Genesis 38. I've used it. It has come up. That word has come up many, many times in the book of Joshua, many times. In the Greek, the word means a seal or a pledge, and Paul uses it three times, and he uses it in the context of the sealing of the Holy Spirit. In Genesis 38, it is dealing with the signet cord, the staff, and the uh, three things, signet cord, uh, signet cord, and staff of Judah and that is the pledge that he gave to her, a Gentile. Mm-hmm. It's all right there. Daughter it's a, in law. what's that? Daughter-in-law. Daughter, yeah, well, yeah, daughter-in-law, but it's daughter. Yeah, daughter, daughter-in-law. I call Faith my daughter all the time, so she's my daughter-in-law. Sometimes I call her, call her my daughter-in-law when she's on my bad side. Legally. But yeah, no, anyway. <laughs> it turns uh, and when I talk about her to Faith, I always say, Mom, we're very, very close in our family, super close. Okay, I'm just picking on you, Berg. Okay, um, so uh, it's all there. It's all there. If you want to know those things, go back and start with Genesis one and watch all of those sermons. You're going to see so much typology. It is unbelievable. There's so much of it. Life application, and we are done right on time. What kind of hope is there in being stuck on a prison planet for three and a half years, waiting for the Lord to come, as His bride is while be- wow, His bride is being pummeled and torn apart by her enemies? No, God has appointed us not to wrath, which is 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 9, which we'll get to next week maybe, and he has promised to keep us from the hour of testing, which is coming upon the whole earth, which is Revelation 3 verse 10. He's promised those things. Ignore those who have failed to take the time to properly evaluate these verses and who provide us with only an unhappy doctrine of insecurity and uncertainty. God is not going to do that to people who have trusted in Jesus, okay? A lady came to buy mangoes yesterday. I've got two minutes, I can do this. She came to buy mangoes and we were talking and uh, I was talking about different things with her and I finally said, well, yeah, I preach over to church in uh, Gulfgate. Oh, which church, blah, blah, blah. And We talked for a while and she's a Christian and uh, uh, we we got talking on the way out about God's grace and about the goodness of God you know, just a little here and there. And I said, you know, oh, she was talking about works and, you know, and I said, you know, don't dismiss yourself. I said, God's less interested in what you actually do than he is in the state of your heart in the doing of it. If you're doing something and it's not with the right heart towards God, you're not gonna get any reward for it because it is not done in faith. Faith is what God wants from us. That is what he desires from us. And when we exercise faith, then he is pleased with us, pleased enough to seal us with his Holy Spirit and then to reward us for our acts of faith. And I said, so have faith. And she said, uh, she finished up. I let her give the last word and she brought up Thomas. And yeah, blessed are those who have not seen and believed. Okay. We haven't seen him. And yet we believe that the message is true despite all of the evidence in the world against it and all of the evolutionary comments and the naysayers about the reliability of scripture and everything else that's thrown in your face 24 hours a day, seven days a week, despite all of that, you believe. And because you do, you will be rewarded for it. God is not going to say, I'm going to make you prove it by going through three and a half years of being punished and tested whether you can take the mark of the beast or hold off. He's not going to do that to you. He's already sealed you. It was done the moment you believed, and you have a hope that transcends every bad thing that can ever happen to you, okay? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the chance to come into your presence and to know of the surety that we possess, that we are saved by Jesus Christ, and that is a done deal, and that we will be taken out of here before the time of wrath comes upon the world. We're so thankful to you for this, Lord God. Thank you. We praise you for it. We exalt you, and we do so in his beautiful name. Amen. 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 All right, just in time, just in time. Say goodbye to you now, and then we'll wave you out. There we go. Okay, let's see here. Break.